Hey, glad to welcome you to another episode of the Coffee and Pens podcast. This time my guests are Adam Butterman and Bart Montreda. They work together to write a book called MBA Coffee Chats. Stay tuned for everything about writing a book together remotely, finding your voice, and some other juicy writing tips. Hey Adam, hey Bob. Thank you very much for joining me on the Coffee and Pens podcast. Let's start with a short introduction. Adam, can you start? Yeah, and thanks for having us. We're, we're excited for this. Um, so very short introduction. I live in Houston with my wife, daughter, and dog. For my full-time gig, I work on a premarital counseling and couples therapy brand called Actually. And over the last year or two, Bob and I uh, have been remotely working on a book called MBA Coffee Chats about how to plan and maximize your time in uh, business school. Interesting. And how about you, Bob? Yeah, I live in San Jose with my wife, son, and dog. So we'll see some similarities between Adam and I. Uh, but my day job, uh, I'm a consultant. Uh, although right now I'm on paternity leave, spending a lot of time with our seven-month-old son, Jackson. Right. That's amazing. Um, since your book is called MBA Coffee Chats, and this uh, podcast is called Coffee and Pens, I can see a common thread. What are your favorite brews, Bob? I'm, I'm pretty non-picky. This might be a hearsay given uh, both of our titles, but I'll just take whatever is uh, available to have fun. All right. And how about you, Adam? I, I feel like we're the exact same. You know, I enjoy a high quality coffee, but I'm, I'm sipping on Folgers right now. Okay. <laughs> right. So how did you guys uh, decide to work together on, on MBA Coffee Chats? Well, hmm. We worked together for real. Uh, we met at our, our day job. For real. Back in 2014. <laughs> yeah, as a uh, No, just kidding. Um, and, and then we both went off to graduate school separately. Uh, Adam was in Chicago. I was in the Bay Area. And stayed in touch and got to the point where we thought we might want to work together sometime um, on a building the company and wanted a way to test that is the short version. And so we started looking at ways to have a project to work on together. Uh, and it started uh, with relatively humble beginnings where we just started kind of posting on Reddit and, and putting some thoughts together around the space that we both had experienced, uh, the MBA. And over time, and, and we can talk more about this, but it, it sort of merged from uh, posting on Reddit to a newsletter to a book and uh, kind of culminated with us publishing it over the summer uh, with, with Rob, who you've spoken with previously. I think that the only thing I'd add is like, we were doing a lot of brainstorming on, we knew we lived in different cities. And so mm -hmm. what we were doing needed to be remote. Uh, it also needed to be something that could be, that could work well with spiky time commitments. We knew it wasn't going to be a priority. So it had to be something that we could be mm -hmm. obsessed with for a weekend or something and then drop for a month. Uh, and then I think the third thing we talked a lot about was, how can we find something that we have something unique to say, unique to us in particular, like Bob and mm -hmm. Adam, we have a unique opinion on this, uh -huh. but we're also very visibly credible in. And that kind of like narrowed the options pretty significantly, right? Because we have a lot of unique opinions that uh, we think are right, but we have no visible credibility on. Um, and we have some things that we have visible credibility on, but we don't have anything unique to say. And this was one of the easy ones where it was like, we have the credibility and that we've just done it. And we were lucky mm -hmm. enough to go to great schools. And we also did the experience a little differently and, and had a unique point of view on it. All right. So if I got it correctly, you started with uh, just posting some stuff on Reddit 
without the idea of having a book. Then you saw some feedback, some engagement. You started a newsletter, and then from the newsletter, you evolved into writing the book. That's right. All right. What's the time like period between starting on Reddit and publishing or starting the book? That's such a good question. A lot of it feels like it happens somewhat organically. You know,、mm -hmm. shoot, I don't know. We think, started、Bob? writing and brainstorming on, hey, I think we want to do this. Let's find a topic in fall, call it September 2019. And by January or February 2020, we sort of had gone through the the things that Adam had flagged earlier, like where can we be visibly visibly credible, where can we have an opinion, and settled on the topic of the MBA.、Mm -hmm. But then it took another few months before we we really focused on that. How can we make the most of the experience? Okay. Portion, right? There's a ton of stuff for applicants, and how do we apply to school?、Um, there's a whole bunch of different. There's alumni, right? The life cycle of an MBA person、uh, is pretty broad, and we ended up writing a book very narrowly focused,、mm -hmm. and we sort of figured that out in January or February 2020 in terms of our audience. Started writing blog posts for a few months because, like Adam said, we'd be obsessed with it and push out a bunch of stuff, and then we just completely drop it. And by the summer of 2020, I think we started realizing, hey, what's let's Put these all together now and make it a more coherent book.、Uh, and I think we finished our first draft of that by the end of that year. And then coming into early 2021, so a little under a year ago,、uh, we started talking a bit more about well, maybe we should push this out more formally and do some self-publishing. And then ultimately worked with Rob to, as our publisher, to, to put it together and, and push it out more broadly. So I think that puts us at this point almost on like a two-year timeline、uh, where、mm -hmm. we published a few months ago or a couple months ago. Okay, perfect. Was that at a later stage that you decided to work with Rob? Well, Rob was kind of a mentor from the start.、Uh, Adam had been in touch with him, had really liked his book, The Mom Test.、Mm -hmm. Give that a little plug, right? And then Rob was starting to play with this idea of how can we write recommendable books,、uh, and it's morphed over time、uh, as well. But so we would touch base with him, and he was putting a lot of thought together on this process and how do you treat your book like a product and iterate and engage with your reader and have beta readers、mm -hmm. and. It. And、uh, he was instrumental for a number of months、uh, with really helpful touch points of, of information and, and guidance. And then we started to formally work with him. I think later in the process, as his own thinking was maturing, and it sort of dovetailed together with, with our book. I don't know, Adam. Does that feel fair? Anything you'd add to that? Yeah, I think it was just as part of the. We were in the community of authors he had built,、mm -hmm. and.、Uh, Just to kind of hold ourselves accountable, we were posting a lot of updates.、Right. Yeah, I just remember what actually led to it is they reached out and were like, "Hey, it seems like you know the book has a lot of potential for word of mouth. People are finding it and referring、mm -hmm. it, even though we've stopped doing anything whatsoever."、Um, and that's when we ended up kind of working together. And it, it's honestly been really great. We I would highly recommend it for anyone. It's it's an awesome process, and they're a great team. Yeah. I've got a good experience talking to Rob and and talking to other people that have been involved with his product. How did you guys divide the work between the two of you? It's a great question. Someone else we were talking with someone else about this recently, and、mm. I'm curious for your thoughts on this, Bob, because this is all like in hindsight,、mm. you, you know. So maybe my memory of it is different, but、uh, we we had very very blurry lines.、Um, if I had to think of a general workflow or division, I would say. Both of us worked on everything. Both of us did everything, but we kind of alternated roles a little bit. So our typical workflow would be: 
one of us would come up with an idea for a chapter or a, you know, early on a Reddit post, then they would write up an outline or a really quick first draft, then flip it over to the second person who would come in and write some pretty strategic high level thoughts. Like, eh, actually it feels like, you know, it should be more about this or let's cut this whole section or rework it and then flip it back. And then from there, the amount of changes that were happening decreased drastically. Right. So like, the first person writes a draft, the second person changes 60% of it, the third person mm-hmm. changes 20% until it's ready to go. And then generally one of us would post it, we would get feedback, you know, another person would go in and incorporate that feedback and then more micro edits would happen. I think that as we wrote more and more, that process shrunk drastically to the point at the end where I think we would often write a chapter in one go and then the other person would come in and make like 5% copy edits Mm -hmm. just because we were so aligned on things um, and had gotten so much better and faster at writing because uh, we can get into this later, but every chapter in the book went through a intense feedback process where it was either posted on Reddit and was torn to shreds or Mm -hmm. sent to a bunch of our friends who were in school or sent to our newsletter and torn to shreds that way. And so I think like we very much did not want to have clear roles around like I'm the writer, you're the editor, or I'm the marketer, you're the uh, publisher or something. Mm-hmm. And instead, we just each did everything, but made sure to flip back and forth. I think one, just to rant a little bit, there was one specific time where we had very clear roles. And I think that was when we wrote the very first draft of the book. I think you, Bob, took much more of a like, I'm going to, like you wrote the introduction and, and kind of put a lot of weight behind the first draft of the book. And uh I remember I felt a little like I was like not doing enough, you know, Um, but it never led to anything. And we ended up, I think it all like evened out and um, yeah. Yeah. And there was a lot of ebb and flow and we got better and better at it. I don't think either of us considers ourselves a natural writer. And so between improving at the ability to write and then finding a tone that worked for both of us, Mm -hmm. those writing cycles that Adam talked about got narrow and narrower, quicker and quicker. I think the other side of this, Adam, that, um, is maybe the less glorious part, but um, a lot of what I heard you talking about was our writing process together. But then as we started turning this into a book, right, we had uh, a MailChimp subscription list. We had built a little website. Like there was all this other surrounding aspects beyond just the writing. And oh, that's a good point. I would say for us anyways, like, I don't have very different strengths. Um, my, my tendency is to be a grinder and to like push through things. I think and Adam's very good at like, seeing different ideas and picking his head up and like finding other places to go. And so I think we would have a, a healthy tension as to um, like challenging each other in different ways with that. Mm-hmm. And it would lead us to, you know, pick up. And I, I think Adam does a great job of being like, Oh, we should do X. Like let's start working on the book or let's build the newsletter. And then I do a better job of being like, Oh, a newsletter. All right. Like let, let's get into this. <laughs> <and do it." laughs> That's a really good point. And two things that come to mind there is like, there were clear roles around like, you tended to own the newsletter, I tended to own the website, um, things like that. Uh, And then I think, I think you nailed that around like, to flip the negative of it, I often took us down weird paths that led to nothing. Like, oh, we should do a series of workshops. And we would get a bunch of demand for it and signups. And we'd be like, we don't want to do it, though. So we would cancel it. Uh, and Bob's very good at being like, 
well, let's send another edition of the newsletter first, you know, <laughs> or like, let's actually do the thing before, like at one point we were exploring, like building us a, a really cool software tool for MBA students around like note-taking and, yeah. and building a portfolio. And I still think that was a great idea. Like we didn't have the time or the interest to do it, you know? Um, so there was like a healthy tension around, uh, around that as well. And then I would say one more thing is I think, I tended to play the role of more words, more ideas, and you played a good role of like editor and clearer words, clearer ideas, you know? Yeah, I went back and forth, but I do think, yeah, we found, again, a balance there with that in our writing and our editing. Yeah, so you were very complimentary in your, in your efforts and skills. I think so, I think which so. was a ton of fun, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm excited to continue to do stuff with Adam, and we still like oh, yeah, yeah. ideas around from it. Yeah, we'll write another book for sure, or or a blog or something. It was just, uh, it was also fun because like we ended up, we started with two very different writing styles and found like I really like the voice we found at the end. How did you work towards that voice? So I would say it was more organic than not, but we, I think a lot of it honestly was because we were read it first. It was very nat. We got very quick feedback, especially early on around. Like, oh, that voice did not work, you know? So uh, uh, like, for instance, we are very, 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 I guess we've gotten away from it a little bit, but our voice is very much not authoritative uh, and not, you should do this. It's very much like, here's what we did. Here's that approach. Here's what you would consider and back and forth. And that was something we were very explicit about. And we talked about over and over again. And, and we would often like go in feedback wise and be like, this is too prescriptive. We need to dial it back. I don't think we ever wrote down, this is our voice, but we talked about very clearly, like we're not authoritative, prescriptive, this is the way. And we also talked about always trying to make it light and funny as, as much as we can. Were there any other voice elements? We can, those are the two that come to mind for me. Yeah, I think the word <clears throat> casual and informal, but knowledgeable comes to mind too and and the moti uh, the metaphor that we always used in our heads was if we had a younger sibling that we wanted to give advice to how would we do that right so authentic like opinionated but also uh accommodating right like you can choose your own paths and uh at the end of the day i think what was most important i think to me i think to us was like no airs we did not want to be pretentious in how we were sharing this information mm -hmm. but like just be helpful so you mentioned a lot of communicating back and forth to get to the voice and to uh, work on the book together. Was that a lot of um, asynchronous or more synchronous communication? I think that uh, it depended on the topic. All the writing, 90% of the actual like writing and making was asynchronous, flips back and forth. But then when it came to like high level contextual strategic things, it was reversed. Mm -hmm. And it was probably 90% random phone calls and 10% asynchronous. Here's what I think. Like all the voice stuff, 90% of it, what, you know, I think was aligning on it over the phone and things like that. And then 10% was in comments and, you know, writing out. That, that's my take on it. What do you think? Google Docs was amazing, right? We used comments, yeah. we used the editing, we were all over the writing each other um, or writing with each other asynchronously. But yeah, mm -hmm. I agree. Like, 
my whole family, my wife, but even my family that lives 3,000 miles away back east, they see me on the phone and they're like, oh, are you talking to Adam? Right? Like, <laughs> suddenly on the phone with random phone calls. Um, and, and we'll miss each other sometimes. Uh, but it really helped because for about six months or so at the beginning of this, Adam was starting his own company. I hadn't gone back to work yet. Uh, from from after grad school and so we had a lot of flexibility uh, in our schedules and we were just we were probably on the phone daily but never at a scheduled time okay did you use any other tools apart from google docs google docs mailchamp or google docs for writing mailchamp for the newsletter card with two r's for the website mm-hmm. reddit <laughs> gumroad to sell initially. gumroad yeah google for the email which we had a big debate about whether we should pay for email or not. Do you think that was worth it though? Because that gave us the whole drive suite. So for like seven bucks a month, right? Uh, We now have a at mbacoffeechats.com email address, which I think for something like this, where we're trying to be visibly credible is better than adamandbob at gmail.com, right? But then associated with that email, we have all of our working docs on that drive in in one central location. And I think that's really helpful. Um, Yeah. The other very niche tool that comes to mind that I would use a fair amount, I don't know if you ever got on board with it, Adam, but was uh, the Hemingway tool in the spirit of me being oh, yeah. editor and being you very short. You love that tool so it's, much. <laughs> it's just a really simple gut check, right? You copy and paste a paragraph into it and it highlights where there's long sentences or mm-hmm. big words and kind of grades how complicated the writing is. Um, and so I'd pull that up and go, this is too much. We got to cut it down. Yeah, um, I found that is a really helpful impartial third party. I don't like it, but I know I should like it. Like I need it. I think I just have this bias around, you know, you still want, I think sometimes the Hemingway tool removes voice and that's why it's good for 80% of the sentences. And then you need like 20% to have more to be purposefully wrong. It's very impersonal. And that's where I think I too often became too impersonal with my writing because I'd be stripping words out. And Adam did a really nice job of making sure the voice came through. And again, Mm -hmm. like another example, I think of where we ended up being pretty complimentary and a large part of finding our voice was bringing those two tendencies together. And how about planning? Like did all the planning happen just between your phone calls and and saying like, this is what we're going to do next. So did you use any tools for that as well? I don't think we planned beyond four weeks I think we set a series of short-term goals for us. We had a long-term vision that we adjusted, right? At one point, it was build newsletter and build out an audience. There was a whole bunch of places to take that. Adam talked about the workshops. We talked about like camps. There was always the book as an option. And then there was a long-term goal of the book once we moved on from that. But beyond that vision, I think it was always, okay, let's complete this post in the next week. Or yeah. let's get a finished version of the book in the next month. And, and we didn't plan much beyond that just because with so much else going on in our lives, it, mm-hmm. it felt a lot more manageable to think short term. There was one specific time I remember us writing goals in a Google Doc that were like three to four months out. If you remember that, it was mm-hmm. very early when we were still considering like software tools and stuff like that. And uh, it was like, it was more just a matter of when we wanted to stop working on it if things weren't going well, because we didn't want to feel obligated to keep working on it if mm-hmm. we weren't enjoying it and learning. So it was like, okay, by this time, we need to have a first draft of the book to people. And by this time, we need to have decided whatever or something. But overall, yeah, we it was more like very short-term goals because we always had the thing of like, worst case, we'll just stop doing this. You know, it's like, so it's always like one more post and then we'll give up or keep going. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned it's likely you're going to write a second book together. Um, 
And you probably won't stop in the process there because you already did this. You already know what works and, and it's probably going to work again. So would you consider scheduling more or would you just have the same take? My reaction is that we wouldn't. I wouldn't want to write a book where we felt time pressure. You know, one thing I actually admire about the way Rob wrote his book is that like it took forever, you know, <laughs> like he's been writing that thing for, I want to say years. And mm -hmm. uh, he has like a good... I think barometer of like quality check you don't want to waste time on it. It'll never be perfect. But if this is a side thing we're doing and, you know, we're friends, so we don't want to ruin that, then it'll always be more important that it's fun and enjoyable. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't want to schedule it beyond short-term goals again. Uh, like we, we have families and I would never want it to be like, ah, oh, I'm going to, you know, we committed to getting something done this month. So I'm not going to go on a walk with my daughter or something. Yeah. And I really liked the way Rob broke down the process of writing this book, the whole like product lifecycle that I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. And so I would, I would think about planning probably in terms of that to the extent that I'd say, listen, all right, this month, I want to make sure I talk to 10 to 15 people and have a good idea of, can I, can we verbally communicate helpful ideas? Okay. Check. And then it'd be, all right, can we write down some thoughts that'll, that'll be interesting and start to put it together? Okay, like maybe I'll spend a month or so on that. And then there'd be like, to, to Adam's point, where we used the, the Google Doc the one time to say, what would need to be true for us to no longer work on this? I, there'd be a point at which I'd say like, all right, what's like my go, no go? So I think mm -hmm. in that sense, there'd be some planning, right, of, of gating of how to proceed with this. But I, I don't think I'd get to the point um, and I know like I've heard people have a lot of success blocking off three hours each morning to write in the morning because that's when they're best. I, I don't know that we'd get to that because it, it felt like the best writing happened uh, spontaneously a lot of the time for each of us. Such a good point. Everything was like very sporadic in terms of like nothing for two weeks. And then we'd crank out like four chapters in a weekend or something. I think in general, I was just talking about this with another friend on like some people like to manufacture moods and uh, productivity and some people like to harvest mm -hmm. where it's like you know I'm gonna write three hours every morning and I set my candle which like triggers my mind to be in writing mode or, or something like that versus the people that are like oh I was out on a walk and I felt inspiration so I sat down and like write wrote um wrote two chapters and we always I've never been able to like force the writing and I don't think Bob has either so we've always been more of the harvest of mood and an energy than manufacture it are you guys familiar with David Cadovy? I talked to him a few weeks ago. He wrote a book about what you mentioned just now. It's called Mind Management, Not Time Management. And oh, so cool. So he talks a lot about how he plans his entire week to harvest the right moods at the right times. So in the start of the week, he feels he's more creative. So he's going to do a lot more writing, for example, on Monday morning. And then on Friday afternoons, he's not going to do much writing because then like, the creativity is gone and like it's more of a drag and he's probably going to do some more admin stuff so that's a, an interesting read um, about what you just mentioned i'll check it out that sounds like exactly what we're talking about that's awesome agreed any other things that you would change for a next book oh that's such a good a, a good question we haven't talked about this i don't think um we've talked about what we would want to do the same because uh -huh. there were some things that we were surprised worked so well and we'd want to do those but in terms of different I think maybe a slightly bigger or growing audience. You know, we chose such a narrow audience and I'm glad we did. And it's the only reason why it worked, you know, because it's 
It's the perfect book for a very, very small audience at a very, very specific time. Mm-hmm. So when people find it, they're immediately like, oh, I want that or, oh, I want to recommend it. But it'd be nice if that audience was also like exponentially growing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, it is a very small audience that isn't likely to grow, you know, mm-hmm. uh, much. So it'd be nice if we picked a bigger audience or something like that. I think similar to that, an audience that we're a little bit more passionate about, like we've moved on from that time in our lives and mm-hmm. it'd be cool if the topic more intersected a few, neither of us has any desire to be a business school professor or a business school consultant or anything like that. Um, it'd be cool if it was a topic that we wanted to do more in ourselves. I think maybe a third one is lean into the newsletter and website a little bit more. I think it worked really well and we just didn't really care that much about it. Like we could have grown that audience to be really big. I think if we really put some time into it, but yeah, those are the three that come to mind to me. What about you, Bob? Audience is the word that comes to mind. I think that's right. I think I wish we had more time to build an audience around the book, right? Like even earlier, we were talking about where else do we post this? And we're just relatively audience light beyond what we organically created uh, in a short time. So I, I think that would be interesting and exciting and also help drive the book but then and and there'd be planning involved in that right like that extends the writing time because you have to do a lot of audience building before you even get to the actual book release and then what you were talking about adam with a growing audience more passionate i I think i'd love to write a book about a skill as opposed to a trait Mm -hmm. right like this is people who are going to get an mba graduate degree um not something um I, I, i had a great time with it i'm proud of having gone to, to school and, and learned a lot in the, the experience, but it's not necessarily something that I'm like really excited to talk to people about. It's not the first thing I bring up when I am having coffee with random people. Right. And I'd love to have a skill that I'm passionate about and get really good at. And then, and then write something about that. I think that'd be really exciting. Mm-hmm. So you both mentioned the limited audience, which is, I believe people that already got into, um, an MBA, and then like want to find out how to get most out of this. Now I read your book as well, and I had the idea of doing an MBA a few years ago. And having read this book, I started looking up some information again. Have you considered targeting your book as well at people that are like on the fence? We talked a lot about that. The short answer is like the entire media landscape and book landscape right now is targeted at the applicant and the decider to make up a term like people that are on the fence and people that are applying and want to get in. And there's a lot of good material out there. There's a lot of bad material out there, but it was just kind of like, we felt like it was saturated already and didn't want to play in that space. Uh, I think that if the book does really like does really well, continues to grow and we have more credibility there that it would stand out in that landscape that I think it would be, we do have strong opinions on that on like who should get an MBA and who shouldn't and uh, how to apply in the right way. But it would have to, I think, be pulled from success and demand of the current thing than anything we'd want to do just because there's so much there already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, I mean, personally, I kind of always assumed I'd go get my MBA, right? And so I don't have personal experience to relate to, to the decider. And I think it's a really personal decision. And so it's hard to write a book that is shared with the masses as opposed to having conversations with people, right? Like we didn't write the book to replace the MBA coffee chat, but to augment it. 
And mm -hmm. for personal decisions, I think sitting down and having coffee or just, you know, chatting with someone is, is still incredibly important and, and irreplaceable. So the next few minutes, I want to compare the MBA a little bit to writing. What do you think was more challenging of the two? Oh, the MBA for sure. Like writing the book was a fun weekend hobby we did, you uh -huh. know, it was really fun. Uh, not much of it was challenging, I would say. There was like interesting things, but nothing was hard about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I would say nothing we did with the book was difficult. It was really fun to like learn to write better and mm -hmm. to like translate because we have conversations, you know, people ping you all the time. They're like, hey, I'm applying to X or Y. Can we jump on the phone? And I they ask you questions. We were just taking the answers and writing them into a, a book. The MBA is so multifaceted. It's hard to just compare them against each other in, in the sense that the MBA was a full-time focus for both of us. That made it easy, right? Whereas the book was always a second thing and that made it harder. But a lot of the soft skills and leadership development from the MBA was really hard and pushed me to, to learn and develop and grow. And so they had different elements, each of which were hard. But I think at the end of the day, they both felt a little bit like sandboxes to me uh, in the sense that when something went wrong, like who, who cared? It wasn't that big of a deal. They were both very safe environments. Adam and I had a good trusting relationship. If something didn't do well on Reddit, uh, occasionally you'd get a, a mean comment or two, but it, it didn't really matter, right? You bounce back and you, you wrote something else or different. And similar in the MBA where it was, I thought, a really special two years of just trying things and learning and exploring. And day-to-day, uh, -day, there was very little to worry about. Um, and so I think in that sense, both of these were a ton of fun because they felt really low risk and just like a good way to spend some time. What did you think that you learned from the MBA that you were able to apply to writing the book? It's so interesting because there's the meta answer of like, you can't write the, the whole book was a product of the experience. It, it was like, here's what we learned about the experience and would do it differently. But I think in terms of like skills or learnings from the MBA that also helped with the process of writing a book, there's like the business stuff around like the marketing and positioning of the book, I guess. I think I got three things. Oh, one, three of them. Three coming one. at you like a good consultant. Um, one relates to the marketing side of things, but just confidence. I think having played around in school and having a lot of classmates doing really cool things, like writing a book felt a lot less imposing. And I knew we had the skills to put it together and then market it and push it out. And so uh, that was, I think, huge. Otherwise, we wouldn't have gotten started. Two, I took an awesome class called Winning Writing with a professor named Glenn Cremon, who I just loved. He was amazing. Uh, he jokes that he teaches remedial writing to future business leaders. Um, and it's somewhat true. It, it made me a much better writer. So it translated over. And beyond just that class, I think there's a lot of written assignments in the MBA where you need to communicate clearly. And that translated really well. And then I think lastly... <clears throat> Um, certainly at the school I went to, I think at all schools right now, there's a focus on interpersonal working styles and, and teaming well. And I think the ability to give feedback effectively and in a helpful manner, and then also hear it well, uh, was huge for Adam and I. I mean, we, we already had a good relationship, so I, I think we would have figured it out either way. But I think the MBA gave us a language and a framework for working together that made this somewhat incoherent, organic, let's just pick up the phone and chat, flowing style work, uh, because we were able to, to play off of each other and learn from each other without ruffling any feathers. We did do like very, very direct and uncovered feedback 
you know, like we're very willing to be like, this is a terrible chapter that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, I don't have anything bad. Right. Bob, you mentioned that you took a writing class. What were the like main takeaways from that class that you were able to apply in your writing? Know your audience. The mm. first of those classes, the professor, uh, Glenn, literally goes around and says, hey, Adam, I hear you got this great company going on. And he has done like background information on everyone uh, just to make the point that, well, A, it helps everyone get to know each other. It's fun. It's funny. But that the, before you ever communicate to your audience, you have to know them. Uh, and I think Adam and I did that by having gone through the process. Second was that simple was just always better. Um, cut words, say it like quicker. There's actually a TikTok recently on, on Glenn's class with top takeaways. And I think that was one of the ones that they put together. Um, and then related to that, but oddly specific, it was that, I'm going to get this right. Adverbs are stupid. <laughs> you do <laughs> Which is general adverbs. point. Just you hate them so much. And use a better verb was the big argument. Yeah. I think another thing you did a really good job of, or at, at the very least, we're like very passionate about is not telling people how they're going to feel, you know, like we would start our writing with like, Hey, join our newsletter at NBA coffee chats. It's smart and interesting writing on blah, blah, blah. And you'd be like, how do we know it's smart and interesting? Like that's for them to decide. So it's just, it's writing on NBA, you know, like what, what is an actual, like you're very particular about what those are. And I thought that was really helpful. Not saying things that are up to them to decide. Are there any other writing tips that you'd like to add personally? Oh, I have one big writing tip, maybe two, but my favorite writing tip is to like, always I'm just dumping thoughts into categorized Google docs and in very, very non-edited, non-structured form. So it's like, oh, here's a thought on how to write your MBA essay. And I just like email it to myself or type it in the Google Doc. And then, you know, over a few months, you keep adding to that Google Doc. And then I go to write the chapter. And it's like, I have 50 bullets now. So now I'm not even writing the chapter. I'm just like cleaning up the sentences and organizing them. And then usually what happens is like of those 50 bullets, eight end up becoming the whole article. And then the other, you know, 42 are really great, like more resources page or another, another section. So for me, it became like really, really near the end. It was really, really easy to write new chapters because I had all these random Google docs of related thoughts, like related vertic vertically related thoughts. And I could just go in and fill in the gaps. And that was really fun. It was just, I really enjoyed that. And I think that it's a huge like, so we talked to so many people who want to write and they're like, I just can't get started or I don't want to say. And it's like, you don't have to start. You don't even have to know what you want to write about. You just have to have 300 random one sentence thoughts or ideas. And then at some point start categorizing them and you'll have um, uh, an insane amount of essays from that. And then I think the other tip is from Bob, which is just going through each sentence at one point and saying, what happens if I remove this word? Or what happens if I put a period here? And it's amazing how you have like what you think is a, a sentence where you can't remove anything. And then you like slowly remove every single word and add periods until, you know, what you end up with is a four word sentence that started as like a 20 word sentence. And it's way clearer. And that's always so satisfying when you take a paragraph and you can turn it into just one punchy sentence. That's a really good feeling. I have so many random Google Docs from Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The hit rate is not great. Like the conversion rate from 
it started as a Google Doc to made it into the book was very low. Yeah, but I but I do think you touched on something that comes to mind, like just like let it go, like release your inhibitions of writing. I think I struggled with that at the beginning because I'd write a first paragraph, but then I start rereading it and you go, oh, I don't like this. this is the right way. And I'd get in my own head, and we were just so much better when we ripped through a page. And a lot of it would suck, but that'd be okay because it'd be a first draft of something down on paper. And I know not everyone writes with a partner, but I found that hugely helpful because it enabled that uh, release of inhibitions. Like it was okay for me to just write because I knew Adam was going to come and take a look at it. And so I think even if you're writing on your own, I think finding a way to do that and then maybe step away and serve as your own editing partner, I think is really helpful because without a second voice or the ability to step away from something, I think it's really easy to lose the message and to, to overcook the chicken just by sitting there and rereading and rereading and rewriting and rewriting. All right, thank you. That's very insightful. Um, some things I've not heard before, some things that are very useful. Let's work a little bit towards the end and I'm going to steal a question from your book. What didn't I ask that I should have? Ah, you did read the book. Uh, that's a good question. It's very self-flattering of me to say that. You know, there's the whole world of last activities you need to do to actually publish a book. Um, we spent way too much time on the subtitle and the title, right? Just figuring out what are we going to put on the front cover of this? Um, but then also, what do we want the image to be and the graphics? And then once we did publish it on Amazon, there was a ton of conversation on what groups or categories do we want to be in? How... how we, we didn't have to do this because the, the team did, but then how do you optimize all of the ads and, and push the book out? And then how are you posting on, on, on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever your audiences are to, to then grow the book and give it a seed audience? And to me, those were beyond just writing the book, the hardest parts of this uh, that take a, a ton of time and effort. And if underestimated, uh, it could be a great book, but it, it still, I don't think will be successful without spending a lot of time on everything that comes after writing. That's a good point. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was a great point. It was a great point. Yeah, I think maybe one thing is like in terms of mistakes we made and one mistake we made, which I think is very cliche, is we spent our proportion of creating versus promoting was probably wrong, which everyone talks about this. Like, write one good essay and then promote it 10 different ways or 10 different times. And we very much did the write 10 essays and promote each once by one post. And we still have a bunch of content, like we've never posted anywhere or any or stuff like that. And uh, in hindsight, we should have spent a lot more time promoting and repackaging. And we spent all our, we just really enjoyed writing and there was so much to say. We just kept writing more and more when we could have just literally taken the very first essay we made and repackaged it a dozen times and it probably would have done better from an audience perspective. Yeah, those are some good tips. Let's finish with my, my final question. What's your secret? <laughs> this is going to be so corny, but um, being on a team as opposed to doing something on my own, writing this with Adam, it, it would not have happened on my own. Uh, my wife and I have a side hustle where we, uh, we do a local service company and I'll similarly get questions like, how do you do that and work? And it's like, why well, I couldn't, there's not enough time, but with, with someone else involved, then, you know, we can each spend half the time needed to do that. And there's so much trust that needs to go into the relationship to, you know, not have to do the whole job yourself. 
but by working with people where I think I've had that level of trust uh, with, with Adam, with my wife, I've got another buddy, Dan, I've done some projects with um, being on teams. We've accomplished like just so much more outside of work than I think would be possible if I was doing these things um, on my own or with any more need to control the whole thing myself. Oh, I love that. That's such a good answer. Like, and very much so. If I had to add one below that, because I think that's the most important one, it would be the broader, again, kind of cliched advice, but, and I'm going to butcher the phrase, but it's the be, be something to someone instead of everything to no one. And I think it's actually helped by being in a team, but it's so easy to be paralyzed or just ineffective by trying to build this big everything. And is the secret or the superpower is being willing to say no to 99 things to say, to make something that's an incredible yes to just one specific thing. And as much as I had some complaints about our audience that, and like the person we ended up writing for, if we had tried to write like the NBA book or anything like that, it, nothing would have happened and we would have ended up with nothing. So I think a huge secret is being willing to say, no to most things and an amazing yes to one small, very narrow thing. And it's the hardest thing to do, at least for me personally, but the working with the team is the biggest one. Like it's so much easier to actually create when, when you have someone else. Thank you. This was amazing. Adam and Bob um, was a lot of fun. Any final words? No, no. But if your audience is sitting there wondering if they should write, write, do it. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> that, that's a good way to end. Um, so before we close up, where can people find out more about your book or about yourselves? Um, I would say, so our, our website is mbacoffeechats.com. Best place to go to find us. Uh, and it's really targeted at the admit who's getting ready to go to school. So um, if, if that's the person listening to this, they should definitely check it out and, and maybe give the book a read. Mm -hmm.